I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. And welcome to the Geek Down Podcast, the show where two friends and nerds get together and try and figure out where their fandoms intersect. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. Hey, my name is Jordan Ferguson. (laughs) And this is episode 74. You might be wondering why Jordan responded in that way uh, after I said my name. And that's because I was giving him a hard time about being uh, a grump. I'm just happy to be alive, (laughs) y'all. Every day he wakes up, he's just happy to be (laughs) alive. song of my heart. It's the first thing I do every morning. Yeah. That's right. And then the birds come and they help them get dressed. More life. More life. More life? What could be better? Hey, you're learning Japanese. I, I am, yeah. You're, you're killing. You're killing it. <laughs> on Duolingo. They should sponsor us. Good old Duolingo. Uh, you're moving into chit-chat way too fast. We have preamble to get there. I know, I know, but I'm just like psyched. I'm just like, <laughs> let's do this. So much preamble to get through. So we'll get through the preamble now. Uh, so many ways to listen to this podcast. To. To. Or uh, through other podcast means. I mean, whatever you listen to, you can find us. But I mean, primarily SoundCloud.com slash GeekDownPod. If you give us a follow on there, you will get a notification every time a new episode goes live. If while you're there, you're like, I don't want to come to this site. This is dumb. I just want stuff brought to me. Because I'm a millennial and I'm lazy and I don't want to do anything. Just bring it to me. Or you're busy learning Japanese. (laughs) Or you're learning Japanese. While you are at SoundCloud, you will see a little button with the Telltale logo on it. When you click it, it will take you to Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Get that branding right. Apple Podcasts. While you're there, click subscribe. All you have to do. Because from that point on, you know who brings your podcast? Uh, Chauncey, the magical geek down internet elf. He is bored, people. He needs things to do. He does, actually. Idle hands are the devil's elfish elven playground. <laughs> uh, that that was complicated, but I the message is sound, I guess. Yes, he needs more to do. Give him more to do. I feel like there should be like a whip sound. <laughs> and when you click subscribe every Tuesday, maybe Wednesday this week, Chauncey hits the rainbow of friendship, surfs it, if you will, throwing out Johnny Appleseed style all those episodes of The Geek Down for your listening enjoyment. Yeah. And then they magically flow into your ear hole. Yes. Gently. Gently. Never forcibly. No. You are happy to have them. Yes. It's all about consent on this show. If you're like, this show's stupid. You guys are idiots. There are a couple ways you can do that. We're, we're on the Twitters. We are. It's at GeekDownPod. Yeah, it is. It's not www.geekdown, <laughs> Facebook, iTunes, Twitter.com. We are also uh, on the Facebooks. Which is at www.facebook.com forward slash GeekDownPod. And we're at the emails. Yeah, which is uh, geekdownpod at gmail.com. We, if you cannot tell, friends, we are so well-rested. It's been a long weekend here in Canada this weekend. Well, I'm like raring. It's probably because I'm still sick and got tons of meds <laughs> in me. Are you on uppers again? <laughs> Actually, I am. Um, Jordan, on the other day, he's just like, he's, you know what? He is a midnight radio DJ I'm right like, now. I'm in like vacay mode. I'm like, you know, you know I celebrated my Canada Day. How? Enjoyed not having to be anywhere. 
That's pretty good. I know people were like, ah, oh, we got to go out and go see you know, the fucking giant rubber duck in Toronto and go watch fireworks and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. My ass was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to roll up at dawn because I work nights and that's just what I do now. I'm going to read. You read? I'm going to read. I'm wow. going to like do some research on something I want to write for nobody but me and, you know, watch a whole lot of Netflix. Um, I played bocce. I was in a bocce tournament. You were in a bocce tournament? Yeah, I was. So Italian. Yeah, a family bocce <laughs> tournament. But I managed to not make it on the plaque, which is good because there was only two ways to make it on the plaque. What What is the plaque? Um, the plaque is just a plaque with with the ultimate winners of the tournament and the ultimate losers of the tournament. So actually, if you could just avoid the plaque entirely, I that's a win for me. Um, so yeah, because it was my first time, I was just extremely excited not to be uh, the losers. You did not end up on the plaque. No, I did not. And I was actually okay. Good for it. you. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I did not participate in a bocce tournament. Uh, the only thing I did, the only thing I left my house for was, uh, I randomly ended up at the Pacific Mall yesterday. How very Canadian of you. <laughs> I guess. Uh, regional, the Pacific Mall is, uh, it's actually out of Toronto. We kept making jokes that we had a, we had a lovely, we have a lovely trip up north. Yeah, it is very up north. It's up in, it's up in Markham, which is a outlying town outside of Toronto. Technically outside of Toronto, we passed a Welcome to Toronto sign. Um, there you go. It is uh, it's just a big Chinese mall. Yep. Out in Markham. Some fake Gucci flip-flops. You're going to get them there. Pacific Mall. You want all the snacks? Pacific Mall. That's why it was sad that I, I have no money this weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. All the Kit Kats. Um, they the also have a, an awesome food court from what I remember. They do have an awesome food court. It's also the first place I ever had bimbimbap in. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Oh. The, the Korean dish of kings. And now it is one of my all-time favorite meals. Yeah. Well, that's see. It sounds like you had a great weekend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going on and on about how good it was. Got to go to Pacific Mall. I just said I went. I didn't say it was like soup's fun. Oh, I did go for Portuguese chicken after that. So. Oh, my God. You gotta look at the bright side of life. You gotta be optimistic like me, Jordan. God, you are unbearable today. <laughs> I am on so many drugs, guys. Um, also, though, you know what I'm optimistic about? Mm. People wanting to support the podcast. Segway game. Sexy as fuck. AF. Um, and you can do that by going to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash geekdownpod. Um, there, you will find posts about uh, upcoming episodes, awesome playlists that are done by mostly Jordan and then sometimes me. Um, and this this week's, or this last week's, was not hair metal, as I said. Thank Christ. Uh, but I did go with a Canada theme, or Canadian artist theme, which I enjoyed immensely. Um, I am not saying that hair metal is off the table, though. Because in a couple weeks' time, it's time for me to do another playlist. <laughs> I'm going to, like, jangle a cat toy in front of her and hope she forgets that she does the playlist every uh, third week. I might. Um, and what else is on there? Um, there are... Sometimes there are show notes and corrections and things of that sort. Uh, little, If something gets mentioned in passing on the show and it's like, you know what? You might want to look that up later. Yeah. I'm not going to make you do the work. I'll be like, yeah. here it is. Here it is, friends. Oh, yeah. And then there's the bonus episode. There are the bonus episodes. Yeah. We do for one shortly, I imagine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe as soon as next week. Yeah, very soon. Um, and those are amazingly Jordan learning to play D&D. &D <laughs> my, 
My red dragonborn paladin. You remember. That's excellent. I'm very excited. Fire-breathing Batman. That's all I'm trying to do. Amazing. I like that. Batman should just have fire-breathing now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, now can we move on to chit-chat? Are we good? Sure, yes. Get, get into the chit-chat. I'm on a lot of drugs because I'm still sick. <laughs> and the doctors won't give me anything for it. Why? That seems counterintuitive to the whole medical practice. Um, it's because it's viral. And they're just like, oh, yeah, it'll just it'll go through your system. And I'm like, but it's been a week and I'm not really much better. I'm a little bit better. I'm not in as much pain. But my throat still feels like someone took a wire brush and was like, ah, ha, ha, you're, I'm going to wire brush your throat. And it's still in lots of pain. And I get fevers every once in a while and uh, get all sweaty and clammy and had to stay ho- uh, home from work on Friday. So I really wanted them to give me something, and they refused. <laughs> yep. Good time. So I am self-medicating. Oh. Yeah. Delightful. So I am on a lot of things, <laughs> including caffeine pills. Yep, there it is. <laughs> um, because I don't drink coffee, so it's totally normal. <laughs> I, it's a normal amount of caffeine. Yep, I, I twitch will go away in no time. Yep. Sure. The whole face spasm, yeah. actually. Um, well, that's far more exciting than I had. I'm on like a four-day weekend right now. Oh, that's nice. Which is um, kind of dope, I guess. Also means I've kind of been bored because I have no disposable income right now because got to go back to the dentist. Because you're a grown-up. Yeah, super fun. I haven't been to the dentist in 10 years. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Finally, I'm no longer the record holder. That's why I have to go at least once, just to, so I can no longer be the record holder. Yeah. People are like, have you been to a dentist? I was like, yeah, motherfucker. I went to the dentist like, you know, two weeks ago. You going to go back to the dentist? No, probably we'll, we'll not. We'll see. Not unless I come um, into some money. <laughs> um, yeah, they're making it sound like, because, I mean, it's going to take a couple sessions yeah. to hang, hang with the hygienist uh, to get this all taken care of. And they're making it sound like, you know, even though I have, like, you know, ample funds that my insurance covers me for, only, like, two cleanings are going to be covered at 80%, and after that, they're going to charge me full price. So, uh, we'll see what happens there, Fram. Yeah. Once they stop being 50 bucks a visit, <laughs> see if you see my ass again <laughs> before next April. Yeah. I'm going to call you. You're going to be like, nope. <laughs> Just wanted to check in. You know, they're always, like, super friendly, like. Yeah. So to make sure everything's okay, you know, you do for a cleaning and uh, yeah, uh, you know what else I'm due for? Not to pay $300 for it. So yeah, you can miss me with that. Yeah. It'll be Thanks. fun whenever I go back. I'm <laughs> sure my mouth is just riddled with cavities. Well, uh, I mean, but hopefully they don't plaster it on a 50 inch, you know, television. LCD flat screen. And then to really with the laser pointer to really get into this is uh, I just I, what plays in my head is that Simpson scene with Lisa and like her teeth going through her her face <laughs> the, the big book of British smiles yeah yeah um, besides me being sick though I've done nothing because I've just every single day after work I felt like crap gone home gone to bed. So I have done nothing all week and it has been super boring. I haven't even watched anything because I have been so tired. He's giving me a look, folks, but it's true. I have been so tired. What's the point of being sick if you don't watch all the things? I've just been sick and sleeping and 
I'm feeling sick and not wanting to look at anything. Well, friends, thank God I had a four-day weekend because I watched all the things. All the things? What did you watch? All the things. Well, you know what? Let's let's just do this because I've been I've been thinking anyway that maybe maybe updates at the end of the show it's a little it's a little much. Maybe people just want the hot quick takes. Yeah, and start. then and also those people who don't uh, hang for the second half of the show they never get to hear. Yeah, they never get to hear what we're into, what we're watching. Yeah. Uh, a highest point for me finally. Stop your whining, all you babies! Little Witch Academia <laughs> finally hit Netflix. That's good. Who was whining? Anime fans. Oh, why? Because Netflix is, it debuted in Japan, right. you know, like three months ago. Yeah, sometimes you got to wait for things. But, you know, they're so used to just having it spoon fed to them week to week. But the fact that they had to wait, you know, three months right. for the show to hit. And then they had the nerve to only put the first half up. Oh, my God. And they're going to put the second half up in like a month or something. This like, is Sailor Moon all over oh again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's fucking, it's terrible. I, just, I hate my life. Netflix is fucking worst. This is stupid. Shut the fuck up. It's there. It's there. Guess what? You pr- you already pirated it. Don't fucking lie. You already pirated it. We know. It. So watch it again now. Because um, you thought you deserved it. Because fuck Netflix for making me wait. So I'm going to I'm gonna watch it anyway. I'm going to stick it to the man. And then you're going to watch it anyway once I hit Netflix. Oh, yeah. Because you don't want to give your laptop aids and have to deal with a million pop-ups to watch it. You want to watch it on like some decent clarity. So you're going to watch it again. So just shut up. Uh, this show is so precious. Is it? <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, that's nice. So this show is uh, from Studio Trigger, who you know of doing, we've talked about many times before, from doing Gurren Lagan and Kill the Kill. This is the, could not be any less like either of those shows. Okay. Um, so like, not like any of those shows, I don't even know if I would ever give it to you because it's just... It's real. It's too precious. It's real cute and precious, and like right. nothing really happens. Um, oh, great! Another show where nothing really happens. Yep. Uh, this is set at a at a witch school. I don't remember the name, Luna Nova or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the our protagonist is Akko. She grew up idolizing this witch, uh, Shiny Chariot, who she went to a show of one of hers once, and Shiny Chariot was just like kind of like a performing witch performing magician which really inspired Akko. Akko wanted to be a witch. She has no proficiency in witchcraft at okay. all as is typically true of these characters. Can't ride a broom. Can't really do anything. Tries to do the transformation spell. Ends up putting bunny ears on her head. You know that type of thing. So it's like worst witch but Japanese. Uh, yeah probably. Her roommates are Latte who's kind of just like a plain nerdy girl and Susie who is everything. Um, okay. Susie is the like real gothy wants to make potions her hair is perpetually in her face type of thing deadpan delivery always wants to make potions that can kill people sort of thing fun Um, super goth and there's there's so much shit that's like telegraphed like obviously shiny chariot teaches at the school now and it's like akko doesn't even know that the woman she's idol idolized for so long is like you know her guidance counselor now type of thing um, but why did Shiny Chariot give up being Shiny Chariot? And why is she hiding her identity and things like that? Oh, my God. Um, the school has money problems because oh. because magic is no longer seen as useful in the world. Interesting. Um, things of that sort. And I also, one small thing that I really like is that there's a character named Diana who you think is the snotty, stuck-up bitch character. Um, she's not really villainous. Oh. She's not really, like, super mean to anybody. She ends up bailing them out on more than one occasion. Because it's usually, here's what happens. Akko sucks at something. Akko hears about something that might make her better at it. She goes off to try to find it. Fails miserably. <laughs> Hijinks ensue. Ah. And Diana is sometimes the one who ends up bailing him out of it. But yeah, just super fresh. Makes me laugh unexpectedly at sometimes. It's mad, mad comf. 
So uh, I greatly enjoyed that. I also finished The Seven Deadly Sins, uh, which I enjoyed more than I should, and you will never get because it's way too pervy in spots. Oh, okay. Main character is a habit of just grabbing boobs. Right. All the time, but it has That's... Diane, and we love Diane. Okay. Diane's a giant. Diane is a giant? Yep. She's got a big fucking hammer. That's kind of cool. And she's dope as shit, and she can like make the earth rise up and crush people. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that show was... I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did when it was all said and done. Um, something I forgot to bring up last week was uh, Dragon Age Origins was the uh, game with gold on Xbox. Okay. Which uh, I've never played a Bioware game before, really. It's my first go around with them. It's my first Dragon Age game, my first Bioware game. I think I was expecting a more Fable-like experience. Right. Like more of an action RPG, more of like a free-running, like hit the button and you slash type of thing. And hit this button and you shoot a spell type of thing. It was a little more party management than I was expecting. A little, a little too much. I'm currently bobbing from side to side. He is. Now I'm swinging my sword. Now I'm bobbing from side to side because that's what the gameplay is like. So a, a little bit like um, Final Fantasy with the party management. Uh, yeah, you know, character classes and type like that. Um, not so. Much, although there is equipment and skills and things like that. But my biggest problem is, and this has come up before when we talked about Fallout once, was that. I don't like games where, like, every decision you make... Leads like, to something? If I answer this question like this, this person's going to die three hours from now in the game type yeah. of thing. Like, I'm, I can't deal with I want that kind of pressure in my life, Caitlin. I don't need it. You want something that lets you feel less pressure. Yes, I don't want to play games to, like, worry about how I'm living my life. I have enough problems with that. <laughs> IRL. I don't need that for my video games. My video games. So, what what score would you give it? Oh, I'm, I don't even think I'm really far enough into it to give it a score. My character's pretty badass. I like the way she looks, but um, currently it's like a six. Okay. All right. I just, I don't like input command, wait, swing sword slowly and inelegantly. Hey, maybe 20 levels from now she becomes a fucking, you know, elven ninja master. <laughs> two sword wielding, you know, with a broadsword in each hand, just like decapitating people left and right. But That would be amazing. Do I want to slog through 20 hours to get there? Probably not. For, this, you're, from your history, probably not. And I'm comparing it to Skyrim. This is the problem. It's right. like I'm playing it, and I'm like, I wish I was playing Skyrim. Like, I just, I really want them to come out with a new Skyrim game. Well, they remastered it for the current, the current gins. Yeah, but I want, I want another awesome Skyrim game that is not. Ah, they're kind of focused on this online one right now, right? Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't want that. <laughs> That's not what I want. Kate, Kate, Kate does not want. Listen to me. We're, we're right all the time. Games for Kate. Games for Kate. Bethesda, you make games for Kate. That Jesus. is all. Uh, did I watch anything else? What else do I have on here? Oh, the only other thing I did, and this can kind of segue into news, is uh, Hovey back. What? Hovey back. What's Hovey? J-Z. Oh. J-Hova. Uh, yeah, dropped his, I believe the, the, the cover says his 13th album, kind of out of nowhere, on... Uh, on Thursday, Friday, June thirtieth, whenever they just was. like doing that now. It's like a family. One <laughs> of the kids is going to drop an album soon. <laughs> I don't think I re- the, the twins are born. The twins are born. I didn't even realize that. I don't think we have names on the twins yet. But yeah, I'm sure Blue's debut is coming out. Uh, yeah, any day now. It's going to be her playing a Happy Apple. And... <laughs> the cat came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Title exclusive. Yeah. Platinum plaques immediately. Um. And people are going to throw it immediately. It's like, oh, it's his response to Lemonade. And it kind of is at times. It is the most forthright I think we've ever heard him be about everything. I mean, he's a successful rapper who started in the 90s. Self-mythologizing is kind of 
what you do to become successful. It's kind of rare to be like, hey, sorry I wasn't there when you miscarried type of thing. <laughs> like, right. To lay all that shit out there. Um, production, very soulful, very soul sam- sampley. Hey, when you're rich, you can pay for this shit. So mm-hmm. it's real fun when you don't have to try and save money using Casio keyboards to make your beats. And <laughs> you can go but, chop up some samples. But poverty is the mother of invention? True. And I mean, that's how that's how we got to this point in the first place. It's just people using their parents' records. Um, no ID from Chicago, former mentor of Kanye, did all the songs. It is 10 songs long. Thank Christ. Why? Because <laughs> y'all rappers got to learn brevity. Oh, I see. N- nobody needs to make a 17-song CD anymore. Aubrey, I love you, but like nobody needs a 17-song album. Anymore. I was like 13. I thought I was like 13. I think 13's I... pushing it. 10 is like, whew, that's like... That's perfect. Yes. Oh, okay. You know, because you you know when it's the best shit. Um, and I said to a friend when I was playing it for him last night, like, because he didn't even know it was out, he hadn't heard it. I listened to it once, front to back, and went, eh, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I keep going back to it. Oh, okay. Like, I keep wanting to go back and listen to it, even at the time. I think when I finished it, I was like, yeah, I'll never, I don't need to listen to that again. <laughs> he talks a lot about the. He's he's kind of turning into like you know the hip hop Tony Robbins like he really wants he really wants young rappers to like take care of their finances <laughs> like right there's a lot of songs in there talking about that stop pressing stack of money to your ear on Instagram like I think I read an interview somewhere where they talked to the producer is no ID guy and he was like one of the things he said to Jay may have been like uh, we you know you talk about having a Picasso why did you want to have a Picasso why was that important to you yeah because um, I think his thing is is nothing nothing cool about living rich and dying broke like yeah he's now at this point concerned with like what am i leaving for my kids like these cars ain't really going to be worth much like what can i what can i leave to my children can i kijiji them (laughs) and put some money away for their education (laughs) yes um you know stunting on instagram doesn't take care of my kids like type of thing um well at the same time he also kind of chides you know what's one of the lines like you know, don't act like Tupac didn't have a nose ring too, type of thing. Like, you know, old old rap fans, quit looking down your nose at the kids. Right. The kids are fine. Yeah. Or the music and the the way they dress is not the thing you should be worried about with the kids. Um. Yeah. No, he's really in, concerned with like you know owner black ownership. It's a song that's basically just <laughs> drags Prince's lawyers for like <laughs> two verses. Wow. Um. And make you know talks about people stealing the album off a title because he tries to like keep it tries to keep his shit in his own house type of thing. Then, while knowing that people are not going <laughs> to pay for it, and they're no. going to make fun of him for that, and they're gonna they're gonna steal. Although it is available apparently for free download oh. on title, you can get you can have it without without an account even. Um, yeah, for four forty four, it's called because that's apparently when he woke up in the middle of the night and wrote the title track, which is all about. I'm sorry, I cheated on you, Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> or it's, you know, an entire... Something they're playing out for, you know, the media. That's that's one <laughs> you of got, the... You, you got your tinfoil hat on for... <laughs> that, no, this is... For, for Jay and, hey, for Jay and Beyonce? Was, when it came out, it, there was all this controversy because someone was like, I bet none of this shit happened. <laughs> and, it's, and it's all, you know, played up. Because they're they're known for being quite secretive, but they've made a lot of bank on having drama. <laughs> you gotta admit. Uh, he even talked. Yeah, he mentions the elevator thing too. Says he egged egged Salon John. Well, all he had to do was, you know, say I was wrong type of thing. Yeah. But you know, 
Masculinity is so fragile, couldn't do it. So fragile. Get your ass whipped in an elevator. That's what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's out there for your enjoyment. Let us know. Let us know what you think. Heads. Yeah, if you guys are into that. I'm not I'm not a biggest Jay-Z fan, <laughs> so I'll probably never listen to this album. Hey, you never know, though. You never know. You never know. Um, I have news. I, it's almost like it's just sad, and it's kind of complicated, and I almost don't really want to talk about it, but I feel <laughs> like I have a responsibility to, to do that. Oh, my God, we're being responsible. Okay. Yeah, I guess. So... There is a comic book called The Divided States of Hysteria, and it is by Howard Chaikin. And Chaikin is, he's uh, done tons in comics. He's done Batman and worked in DC and Marvel, and he's also worked um, to sort of put comics and comic book characters into television as well. He's done tons of stuff, if you look at his, like, uh, bibliography it's just it's immense or filmography it's it's you know he's worked on tons of different things yeah. the only reason i know about this comic book which is from image is because of all the controversy it's sparking as you can imagine the title divided states of hysteria um it is about how crazy the united states is i think it's like a near future comic book um and things are kind of crazy and the first couple of covers were definitely uh trying to be provocative like i think number one is um a woman i think it's a hijab i think that's what it's called when it has the full face veil as well niqab niqab um but it's the american flag um but then there became there was a, a bit of a problem in issue three there was a scene in which a trans person was basically had the like the shit kicked out of them, mm-hmm. um, and a, it came out during Pride Month, um, and was sort of highlighted. They had a cover as well that highlighted um, uh, Pride, and a lot of people were like, "There is no need for this in this comic book. It doesn't sort of add." to the story it doesn't it's almost like he's exploiting violence and doesn't add to the conversation and then number four came out and you're like how could someone possibly top that well the number number four's cover which you might have trouble finding because it's been uh, there's it's been like it's been reissued um with a different cover you might be able to find it in image search search is basically the there is a a brown man who has been strung up in front of a a restaurant obviously where he worked um his genitals have been mutilated and i believe it says they say uh, like a a racial slur that they've put on his name tag i can't really see it but i think it's probably packy more than likely and people are like what is the reason for this why and this isn't a alternative cover or um a special edition cover or anything this is this is just just was the cover of the comic yeah i don't know there's i mean image has been very unapologetic they're kind of just like this is what he's created um but people are kind of like what what did what what's with all the violent imagery and not productive imagery 
and adding to images that are not constructive. They're just sort of a rehashing of images that are used in media over and over again. I don't know what you think about it. I don't really think anything. I haven't read the book. So it's one thing to have for to hear what's in it. Yeah. It's another thing to not having read it. and But I also can acknowledge that my own privilege means that shit that's in there that's going to upset other people ain't going to upset me. Uh, I am drawn to this comment that was in the statement that Image put out after they retracted issue four. Which is basically, uh, says, quote, The purpose of the series is to sound alarms. The Divided States of Hysteria is a comic book about the terrifying future we are headed for if our country remains on its current path. Far from an endorsement of the horrible violence depicted or the ugly language used by many of the characters, Howard's goal is to give us a glimpse into a society crumbling under the weight of ignorance, hatred, and intolerance. It's unsettling, to be sure, but it's difficult to convey the horrors of a world gone wrong without also showing what it looks like. I don't know how clumsily or effectively he did it, because I haven't read the book. He's obviously not happy with the state of the world. Yeah. And wants to offer a cautionary tale. Which is great. But, again, I can't speak to it. I just know what people are telling me. I did not hear about this comic at all until you sat down and told me about this story. I knew... I kept seeing some things on Twitter recently about shaking this, shaking that, shaking getting dragged here and there. I did not know that this was the book in question that he was getting dragged for. You can probably go without leaving a generally genitally mutilated fellow hung by a... A rope. Hung by a rope on the cover of your comic. Yeah. Maybe you can get, maybe you can pass on that. I was a little, I was a little stuck. I mean, I've read some pretty crazy things <laughs> and seen like just, you know, from a art point of view, some pretty crazy things. Um, I think there's definitely something to be said for being part of an effective conversation. Um, sometimes you can talk about the horrors and even draw the horrors of the world without, but just, depicting them a certain way um and i don't know if he's engaging in these conversations clumsily or not people are coming to him being like yo yeah you did not need to do that if he's coming back and saying i think i did and this is why they're saying well we don't think you did and this is why and he says i hear why you would think that and i made a mistake or he's saying fuck y'all i'm an artist and i'm gonna do what i want like there are a million variables at play here before i'm gonna come down on like this should not have existed or not um, because I, yeah, I keep going back to that, that statement from image where like, you can't, it's hard to talk about how your fear about how fucked up the world could get without showing how fucked up the world could get. And maybe you put that on the page and people go, Jesus, that's fucked up. I don't want that to happen. And maybe you start doing things in your own life. That's the power that art can have. But I don't know how, is he doing it with a scalpel or a pickaxe? I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> having not, know. having not read the book. I don't know. Um, I think that's a really interesting and important perspective to have is to not take things out of context to, because that happens a lot um, with art and with comic books, especially. Um, But I definitely, when I saw the cover, I had read about it and I was like, really, how messed up could this possibly be? And then saw how messed up it could possibly be and went, oh, that's not good that is not a there's something to be said i think for for having a constructive conversation in comics it did not seem that constructive and if you have that image as a full page splash in the book itself or whoever is encountering it has read it read everything that happened up to that point and sees the you know context of the event that's one thing just having it on the cover of your book as a way for people who are passing by to go what the fuck that's a 
Yeah. That's another less elegant tack. Yes. And um, also it's hard when, you know, I think the person writing about these things, I hate to be that person, but when they're cis and male and white, and it seems a lot more like... Ex- hey, hey, don't bring your fucking SJW shit onto our show. Oh, woman. yeah, I will. Woman. I wish I had a flag. I'd fly my <laughs> little flag as I talked about it. Um, I think that um, it comes off definitely as exploitation. An exploitation of a certain type of violence rather than really wanting to engage the topic. But maybe we'll read it and we'll have more to say about it. Or maybe the audience has read it and we'll have more to say about it. Let's go with that route. Audience, have you read... Was it the, the, it's, it is The Divided States the divided of Hysteria. The Divided States of Hysteria by Howard Chaikin. Have you read this book? Do you have thoughts? Tell us. What are we missing on this book? Yeah. All them socials you heard at the front. You can use those to get at us and let us know. Because there's too much shit in the world and I don't know if I'm ever going to make yeah, time to get to we, this. We honestly don't have uh, um, Also, I'll probably focus on happier things. Yeah. Uh, speaking of happier things, mm-hmm. what segue? Um, despite being an utter logistical disaster, uh, Anime Expo has been happening as we record this. Yeah. The San Diego Comic-Con of anime, manga-related, J-pop-related stuff out in L.A. Uh, despite four-hour lines with multiple bag checks. and Holy. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not been, not been a fun time out there. But, I mean, you know, if you're when the upper upper echelon pieces of cosplay out in the world are you know walking in with their giant swords safety concerns demand us extra level of diligence yeah you can slow the process down but anyway four hour lines though something like that um i'm usually pretty nonchalant about news at an anime expo because nothing ever really like breaks as far as i'm concerned yeah like, it's not like oh haiku got a dub cast Woo. <laughs> don't care um most of the shit that gets gets announced you can predict coming a mile away because you know you know, hey, this show's going to be coming in the fall. Oh, now Amazon's going to stream it. Okay, cool. Yay. We knew somebody was. Like, <laughs> it was going to come from somewhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, Studio Trigger, the people who do Little Witch Academia and all those other shows, announced three projects in the coming year um, from across genres. A lot of sci-fi. Something from the director of Kill the Kill, which it's, which apparently the comment was, we'll capture the same energy of that in Gurren Lagann, so inspect... Insanity and probably questionable fan service. Um, but also in there, God is God is so good, y'all. God is so good. We get our first briefest of glimpses of what will ultimately be Furikuri two and three, or as Caitlin calls it, Fooly Cooly. Fooly Cooly, F L C L, a show that was brought up way back in the day. One of the earlier things I gave Caitlin, probably next week we're going to be talking about our canons. Yes. Special special topic for episode seventy five. We'll be talking about those things like what, what are the what are the Mount Rushmores of our geekery mm-hmm. type of thing, which I don't think has ever really come up on the show. No. Um, if when we set numbers, if we get less than ten, I'm gonna have to really think long and hard about if if Fully Cooley makes the cut, but it's part of the conversation. Oh, to my life. I don't know. Um, maybe we. I think we should maybe have numbers, or else I might just go on <laughs> on and on and on. We, we will put a, we will put parameters on this. Um, so I don't know if it's like the Mount Rushmore of my nerdery. I don't know if it's in there, right. but but it's definitely, if you're going top 10, it's in there easily. Um, so this was the first glimpses. I don't remember the plot. They alluded to some of it. Not really 
takes place years after the events of the original Fuli Kuli. Uh, the only character announced that comes back is uh, Haruko Harahara, the Rickenbacker base swinging alien girl on the Vespa scooter. Oh, I thought, what's his name with the band-aid on his head? Uh, you do see a dude with a band-aid on his head. I don't know if that's Nauta or someone else. Oh, okay. Um, who knows who's got robots coming out of their heads who in this one? It could be if anybody. robots are coming out of anybody's heads, here's the thing. This show might just be like, fuck it, we're going to do something completely different. Robots could be coming out of my head. Yes. And so, yeah, Anime Expo, we got our first glimpses of that. This is a co-production with Adult Swim because they're like, man, we played the fuck out of that show back in the day. You know what would be cool? More of it. More. And so they threw open the Turner sacks of money and and Japan was like, cool. Thanks. Let's go make some of this. Not for nothing. We already knew the pillows were coming back. That is a new song in the trailer easily the best song i've heard out of them in like 10 years that's exciting actually super exciting they were like well we know what we were doing we know the mode we were in when the first flco came out let's just do that again um and i'm like fellas yes because of jordan i super got into the pillows god they're so good and they have so much music they're so good and yes so (laughs) i was reading something in there i was reading the comments because i was trying to find out is that new song that i come out on a a recent album because i don't keep up they're I think I said once the pills are like the Japanese Weezer, and they're like, tour, album, tour, tour album. album. It's like yeah. every year, every year and a half, a new album comes out. Um, and some of the comments in there were like, well, they just had an album come out, so I don't think they could write like a whole, like, another two albums worth of music just for this show in that short of time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, could they, though? <laughs> um, yeah, I think the song's called Spiky Seeds. Anyway, the trailer is out there. If you just Google FLCL2, you'll see the sizzle reel they showed at Anime Expo. It is delightful and makes me very happy. And it looks really good. And that comes out in 2018. I already see otaku haters on YouTube. Yeah, and they all shall look better. Nobody asked for this, blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. up. We did, and we're the most important. Shut up. We are. We're the most important. You know what I'll do? You know what I'll do? What? I will pour myself a nice, cool glass of what, Kate? A juicy drink? No. Oh. What's what's more delicious than juicy drink? I don't know. Weeb tears. Oh, we yes, weeb tears. Well, take your salty, delicious weeb tears that you're crying over this over this sequel that you don't think anybody wanted or doesn't look as good, even though all the same people are working on it. It looks fantastic. I I, I don't even know how you could just I'm gonna I, pour I don't a cool mug. I'm gonna pour a mug of your weeb tears. I'm just gonna wring them all out of your stupid fat faces, and I'm gonna put it in the fridge, and I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna say, do not open till 2018, so I can sit. When FLCL two comes out, can mm, can I have refreshing? Can I have juicy drink instead? Yes. <laughs> okay. You all those weeb tears yes, are yours. You all the weeb tears. I don't have to deal with them, so it's them, not as refreshing. Them all. Let me tell me taste your tears, weebs. They're delicious. That was a very interesting bit. <laughs> <laughs> really focused in on the on the weebs. Oh, they make me so mad. Um, finally, I have some news. Got some news? Yeah. Weird news. Unexpected news. You're pregnant. What? (laughs) This is, you're the second person to ask me that in in a week. Well, don't walk around talking about how you have weird, unexpected news. It's the first thing people are going to think. That's strange. Being a woman is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... There is, She's all thrown off. I now. am. I'm thinking. Okay, so I'm. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to how to talk about this. So, oh. back in the days of when I was really into Penny Arcade, okay, which for those of you who don't know is uh, there are two guys who make a web comic, and now it's like a big. They have a big Penny Con- Arcade conglomerate. 
thing. They do tons of stuff. Um, but the, the webcomic still comes out. Um, they were they worked for a while on some other comics that they sort of creative stuff they they wanted to do. And one of they had sort of like a, a year where they came out with quite a bit. And one of the things that they came out with with was something called um, I'm going to say it wrong probably, but uh, Automata. And it was a short graphic web comic about sort of a 1920s to 1940s-esque era, but there were automatons. It was a really cool, um, like, sort of short story. And apparently, I did not know this because I had sort of, I haven't been reading them for a long time now. Um, They had a Kickstarter to make automata into a television show mm-hmm. um which they have done they reached their goal and there's a trailer out it should have stayed as a graphic novel <laughs> um just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at everything it, i mean it, i suppose it could have been good i feel like it could have been good if it had a dick tracy-esque Sin City-esque look to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you tried not to make it sort of set in a a reality, but was sort of colored interestingly, almost graphic novelish. Yeah. Um, I think it could have worked a little bit better. This is just all from the trailer, though. Um, but also the music wasn't very good. <laughs> um... So I'm... I might take a look at it, just to see what they've done with it. The um, automatons look really interesting but i think i'll have to actually watch it to get a feel but there's canadian kids know that sometimes when they make canadian shows it has oh a, god it looks canadian <laughs> yeah that's the most like, damning praise you get that's damning <laughs> criticism you can give but anything. like but like low budget canadian oh, oh yeah yeah so any i really i don't know if you i don't really know if if you know if an Australia, they say. I don't think it's the same. You don't. But say- it's like it's like you know you know shit that like didn't have network money behind it. Like like Babylon Five is not a show that looked good. Well, it looked okay. Stargate was not a show that no, looked st- good. Stargate was, but they were all okay. This, but is- I'm saying Canadian is worse than that. Oh yeah. Like if you looked at Babylon Five or Stargate, it was like, man, this is kind of janky. Yeah. Um, Canadian is like. <laughs> Yeah. Ex- extra jank. And some of it looked like Road to Avonlea always looked good. Um, anything that they could set it back like a hundred years or, like you we know, would just use this rickety old house that's already there. Awesome. Yeah. This but, show's historical now. But having to sort of do something different on a low budget was not great. They made some improvements, but still it looked, yeah, it looks Canadian and low like, budget. Like Haven. What even is that? I don't even... I think it was a sci-fi show that oh. was filmed in, like, fucking PEI or something. I don't know. A lot of old wrestlers ended up working on it. No. Well, anyways. Based so. on Stephen King thing, I think. I don't know. No. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I don't... There's no other way I can really describe it. So... But take a look, and then you can tell me if you have an equivalent in your country. <laughs> if you're like, oh, yeah, it looks like... What are your janky, janky domestic shows, other countries? Let yeah. us know. Kira? Australia, let us know. Yeah, give us, let us, we would love to check out some stuff from your childhood that's terrible. Oh my God, yes, send us all the bad kids TV from when you were growing up. We would love it. We want all of it. Um, So yeah, but that's it. That's all the news I've got. All right. I wish I could end on a happier note. Uh, Saga's still good? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Saga is still good. 
I would have liked to have gone on unhappy, but then I glanced at my notes and realized I have a bunch of points here that I I totally forgot we didn't talk about. I, I gave this to Kate. I didn't give it to her. I was like, hey, this is here. I'm going to watch this. or I'm already watching it. I'm going to want to talk about it. And I, I happen to be on my lunch. Feel free to watch it as well if you want to know. And I started watching it because um, I was on my lunch. And so I had read about this. I knew it was coming. I suspect this may also be a thing where it got cut for length. Mm-hmm. So like the, not that it's good, but like the, the worst portions are just shoved at you more than, not that it's not bad, but it seems real bad because you're just getting all the bad shit. It's like, we got an hour, so let's take all the most salacious shit and throw yeah. it at you. Um, not that it's good to begin with, but um, I knew this was a thing that was coming out. I had seen a trailer for it a while back. Uh, it's called Tokyo Girls. It is a documentary by a director named Kyoko Miyake about the culture of idol fandom. Which is weird. Specifically in Tokyo. And I mean, listen, you're like, I know you're out there listeners and you're like, Jordan, this is totally your thing. You love the Queens. Not like this. No. Um, I knew this was going to be like off-putting when I started it. Yep. I was not ready for how weird skeevy it mm-hmm. gets. Um. And sad. So this is currently sitting on YouTube. I will throw a link to it up. Um, I don't know how long it's going to stay. It is still up. I thought it would have got taken down by now. Because uh, the BBC aired a one-hour version of it um, last week on one of their you know, storytelling documentary series type of programming blocks. And uh, yeah, so you can get it fully subtitled on YouTube right now. And... So it really just kind of gets into, I would have liked more on how idol culture developed. Yeah. Really? Didn't really get into that. It's just, and again, this may be just like, we have an hour, we want to show this, we're going to cut out all the stuff except for the most salacious bits, which are the bits where it focuses kind of on three groups as it goes along. One is Rio, the 19 year old and her main fan. You would have seen this. Where, where did you tap out at? Um, I wanted to continue, but I couldn't. Um, it was when she was serving him in the cafe and he was making like a sign and was like... Yeah, that was... Gonna put more I don't, pink into it. Yeah, and, I, don't, I don't remember the names involved there, but... So when you see Rio, she's like aspiring. She hasn't been signed or anything yet. No. She's kind of doing these small-ish shows and venues that I recognize in Tokyo because it's when the queens were trying to get started. That's where they would do some of their first shows at. And talking to this guy who, I think his name's Toshi or Toji or something, and he's basically, he was a salary man, hated his life, loving this girl. Yep. (laughs) And wanting to support her. Seemed a much more fun way to spend his time. So quit his job and spends all his time, energy, and money doing that. There's a point later in, in it where she is, um... She also does a lot of like viral stunt type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she live streams a lot. She and at one point she like cycled across Tokyo, not Tokyo, like Japan, right? Um, live streaming and like filming this cycling trip she was doing. Oh yeah, they went with her. Oh, weird. <laughs> you see, homie, and like with fucking like bike and a, and a fucking like spandex suit on. Like he's right there, ready to go with her. Um, oh. So that's like the first one you see. The second one you see, I believe the group is called P.IDL. And this they're they're like a budget version. So the the atom bomb of idols, really, as far as I know, and I'm speaking somewhat uninformed here, but AKB forty eight is what blew idols 
up. Idols as a thing, they talk to one historian who gets like two seconds to basically say he likened Japan of the 90s to mm-hmm. London in the 70s and basically said they had similar sort of economic cycle. Okay. Um, so the economy in London tanked in the 70s and they invented punk. The economy in Japan burst in the 90s and they invented idol culture. Interesting. Um, and the like giant innovation there was AKB48. The AKB stands for Akihabara, which is the nerd mecca of Japan. It's like the electronics district. Right. And they have their own theater. Technically only supposed to be 48, but there's probably like 200 girls in the group. Oh, yeah. Because they're doing shows like five shows a day. And then they also, this is where they do the handshake events sometimes, which is what you saw. Which is also really weird. And this is why the charts in Japan are totally fucked. Like like the billboard charts or the the Oricon charts in Japan. They're fucked because it's always, if 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 any 48 group puts out anything. Yeah. Because there's a ton of them now because they franchise. There's AKB48. There's, they franchised? There's, oh, um, man, I got to continue watching this there's thing. There's like, they don't get into this too much. This is just oh. my own knowledge, but there's like, no, there's a bunch for like different regions. Wherever there's a theater, they have their own like. Weird. And NHT48. Like there's a, I'm just making up letters now, but there, there's a shit ton <laughs> of them. Um, but yeah, every time any of these groups puts out anything, if you're just talking like sales. Yeah. Yeah, they always go number one because these dudes buy 20 copies of the CD. Oh, my God. Because. As they mentioned in this documentary, you buy a CD, you get a ticket for a handshake, to go to the meet, meet right. and greet, photo, handshake with the girls. I don't even think it, I think that just gets you into the after thing. You probably still have to buy your ticket to the show after the fact, but like it's crazy nickel and diming yeah. of fans. That's one thing which ain't cool. The other not cool thing is like the dudes are more than happy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> with alarming frequency. Yeah. Yeah. So. What you see in kind of the second segment and like the age discrepancy is much larger here. Yep. Um, it's she's 16. Mm-hmm. Her name's Yuka. Um, she's in this PIDL group, which also has a cafe that she works at and waitresses at. So when she's not like doing the shows, she's bringing you coffee. <laughs> well, and this is the moment Caitlin's talking about. Well, this dude who's probably pushing 50, if, oh, not, yeah. if not over it, yeah. is, you know, making cutesy wootsy signs about how much he loves her. Yeah. And, like, like, I can kind of understand the emotion because, like, I have felt it. I felt it in New York. Like, where you're just like, I am so happy for you and that you've, that you work so hard and that you've done what you wanted to do. But then I leave. Yeah. And I'm cool. And I go meet up my, my, with my friends and we have a drink. <laughs> I don't then, you know, buy a ticket to the next show the next week or, like, you know, make signs or, like, wait outside for them. Like, and, the, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway here is and this is the salacious bits is like it gets younger and younger like 10 year olds oh no 10 year old idol group the discrepancy is not as bad because the fan they talked to was like a university student but it's still like yeah gets kind of uncomfortable and then they talk to like their moms sometimes it's like don't you find this weird yeah (laughs) they're like no they're just like they're like dads to her like you know type of thing i was a little weirded out at first but you know they're all really nice and you know they're like oh, they're like dad's tour and it's like yeah mm. no <laughs> the the one moment where it's like oh god is they're talking to one of them mm-hmm. they're like 14 year old who the university student has like a binder full of like photos that he's oh, taken with her god. from all the cds he's bought and all the handshake events he's gotten to they do point out that the handshake in itself in japan is like a recent thing because yeah. touching was not done it was always bowing so you know Young girls, a handshake is normal. But to the skeevy dudes who never held hands or 
Oh. Um, it has a there's a sexual component there that they may not even be overtly acknowledging. Yeah, they talk to one of these girls and they're like, they ask her like, "Don't you ever get? You know, these guys are all like way older than you." Not that there aren't any women in the audiences. I did see women in the audiences of some of these yeah, things, but, but it's, the, it's the ratio is totally, yeah, totally dominated by men. And then they ask this girl like, "Don't you ever get scared?" And she smiles and she gives like the party line, like, but she nods while she's saying no type of thing. Right. <laughs> like it's really like, oh, you can read into that as much as you want. Um, yeah, just and I mean, like, as I tried to decipher my own, you know, why do I love this fucking these Japanese women who are in their thirties, uh, yes, <laughs> or just entered their thirties, um, prance around on stage in high heels. Why do they summon this type of devotion out of me? Um, so I've read a lot of like sociological 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 texts on that sort of thing and books related to that and but i still am not even on this this is some oh this is no this is this is some extra extra shit and they do talk about things that like you know the promise of the japanese economy and how that has since you know bottomed out and you're not and how you know these dudes are just all kind of broken and the thing i said as a joke once when you asked me about like (laughs) you asked me about you know why i love them so much type of thing and i was like oh because you know i can give them all my love and they'll never hurt me type of thing yeah and i was like oh wow oh that's really sad well (laughs) i said it as a joke 40 percent. but these are these dudes lives like they asked them like why don't you date a real why don't you actually like try to like meet a woman they're like no time it's a I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to make the effort. Hey, I don't J- want to... Japan has a huge problem. They're, they're, they're not fucking. <laughs> no. And they're not. Yeah. They're not making babies and not marrying and not having enough sex. And they have this huge workforce problem where they don't have enough people in their workforce. And now they're like welcoming women. <laughs> they're like, hey, we don't have enough people in our workforce. Women, you want to work, you say. Yes. Come to the office. Um, yeah, so that's, listen, be prepared to feel uncomfortable at times. Oh, yeah. But that is called Tokyo Girls. I will throw a link uh, on Patreon on the show notes so everybody can see that. And it was in- it was really interesting um, um, yeah, from what I, I saw, and I, w- I am going to continue watching it. I do hope there is a longer version of it available out there, because I do feel like this probably got compressed for time. Um, but yeah, man, Japan, Oof. I love you, but... Oof. Oof. Gotta work some stuff out. <laughs> Go see a therapist. We're gonna work some stuff out by taking a break. And just sitting and looking at our phones for a couple minutes. <laughs> you know you know it's like when the band leaves and you know they're coming back for an encore, just pretend that we went away and did something when really we're just gonna pause it, look at our phones for two seconds. Uh you know, I, I might fart, I might step outside to fart. Um, and then I'll be like, Ugh, you're such a boy, you're so gross. I'll be like, it's my fucking house, I can <laughs> Yeah. Fart if I want. Uh, oh, it went away, we're good. Anyways. We'll be right back. Yep. See you soon. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where Caitlin and I talk about the things we brought each other. That's right. But before we do that. We've got some rules. Yeah, we do. The first rule being the rule of three. The rule of three means if the thing runs in installments, parts. Epicycles. Any sort of segmented distribution of narrative. 
Ooh. Brr. You can figure out who's the writer here. Watch three of them. Yeah, because it needs some time to go where it's going. It's got let, let the let the let the wheels hit the tracks, you know. I like that. Let the tracks go around the corner. Let the <laughs> corner go around the mountain. You know, all that type of jazz. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a chance. Give it some time. A and little that, time. Not not too much time. No. Just a little bit. No, we know who gets frustrated when we give things too much time. Mm-hmm. That would be Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, our r- second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. You know what the worst thing is, Caitlin? What is the worst thing? When I come back from the take store. Yeah. With a, like, a, like a box of takes. And it's like piping hot. And I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to get dig into these takes. And I open the box and I just waft the smell of takes into my face. Yeah. And I grab, a, I grab one of those takes. And it just looks so delicious. It's glazed. It's shining in the summer sun. And I go to take a bite of it. It's fucking stale. I have never wanted a take so bad in my life. I don't even know what that is. I hate a stale take. It's terrible. I hate a stale take. And he doesn't want to give them to you guys either. I would never do that to you. I love you. Yeah. Listeners. Why would I ever give you a stale take? So for that reason, we save all of our feelings and thoughts, our emotion, emotional roller coaster for you guys. Piping hot, pillowy soft from the hot take oven. Um, our, our third rule isn't really a rule. It's more of just a policy is that there will be spoilers. We're going to spoil some shit. Totally. It really doesn't. It's all real old shit. Yeah. Again. So super old. So yeah. Why do you care? You don't just yeah. hang. Just hang. Just we usually hang. tell you to get lost, but honestly just stay. Just You're hang. never going to watch these things anyways. Probably not. No. So just hang. Yeah. Spend some time. You love us. You love hanging out with us. Yeah. You get to hang out with us for like another 40 minutes. Amazing. Right? Maybe not that long. It's a little excessive. <laughs> oh, we've said that before. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So I think I think we start with your thing. Yeah. I don't know why I felt the need to bring this to you. I don't know why this popped into my head again. Um, but it was a thing I watched back in the day and greatly enjoyed. Um, it's called something different when I watched it. But for our purposes, we will call it uh, Veroni Kenshin Trust and Betrayal. Hey, y'all. Who wants to watch some people get sliced in half? I do. <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, all the old heads out there might remember this as Samurai X, Trust and Betrayal. That's how I found it. Because uh, I think there were some licensing issues at the time. Ooh. Anyway, let's get into this. This is based off of a manga called Rurouni Kenshin, colon, Maiji Swordsman Romantic Story by Noble Hero Watsuki. Um, this was a manga that run, ran from 1994 to 1999. Uh, it also spawned an anime television series that ran from 1996 to 1998. And the thing we are talking about today, Trust and Betrayal, which was an OVA, which is what they called original video animations, meaning they just kind of went straight to DVD. Yeah. Or what have you. Like the Little Mermaid TV show. Sure. Um, <laughs> always <laughs> just the hottest references. <laughs> um, and that came out in... 2000 and was recut into a theatrical movie version, which was released in North America in 2003. I think because a different company, one company had the anime series and another company licensed the OVAs. That's why it was called Samurai X. Oh, I see. I actually watched this the first time, I think not even realizing it was a Rurouni Kenshin thing. Oh. I knew Rurouni Kenshin was a thing. I watched this before I watched any of the other, uh, the TV season. Right. Um, So the thing is, Rurouni Kenshin, the manga and anime is centers on a character named uh, Himura Kenshin, who at one time takes place uh, after the Maiji Restoration, which I'm trying to get, try, we got to get into some history here when we talk about this, yes. but we'll try to keep it as 
light and minimal as possible, but basically there were like military governments in Japan. Yes. And then they there was a war and a revolution to restore the emperor and, and kind of bring an imperial government back to Japan. It was the end of the Edo period. Yes. And it was, just to give some people sort of a reference, it was in the mid-1800s. 1868 was the Meiji Restoration. Yeah. And it had to do with their changing their isolationist policy. Yes. So they have this policy. They're, they're not going to trade with anyone. They're Commodore not... Perry and the black ships showed up and they were like... Yeah. Some people were like, cool. And other people were like, get the fuck out. Yeah. So there was a big revolution because of this. And the Tokugawa Shogunate, which was the government before this, was all for it, I believe. And yeah. I think the motto of the imperialists was like, uh, revere the emperor to hold back the barbarians or something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the imperialists won and restored the emperor. And at this point, when we encounter Humura Kenshin, he is a wandering swordsman, a peaceful wandering swordsman. He will not kill anyone. He carries a sword with a reverse blade, the blunt edge out. Um, the manga and anime are much more comedic. They are drawn in the standard big eye, small mouth okay. style. All right. Um, first season, not real action packed. Second season gets kind of Dragon Ball-y. Like some dude from Himura, Himura's past comes in and like wants to burn Kyoto to the ground type of thing. Again? Um, yeah. And that gets real like apparently is what most of the manga um, was like after that. But that's the Kyoto arc is the middle arc and everyone cites that as the best and it's probably is um huge cast of characters lots of fights very very much dragon ball like like just like (laughs) limbs flying everywhere um and you know because the whole thing is like the whole crux of that the tv series is like is he ever going to go back is he going to kill somebody he always said he never would like right type of thing what's good is anything going to push him back to the way he was because in his previous life he worked with the imperialists, the Choshu clan, I believe it was, I, Yeah. Um, as the Hitokiri Batosai, which basically translates as Manslayer. He was an He's assassin. A crazy assassin. He could slice and dice you a million ways from, from s- spigot to spike. <laughs> sure, what whatever. He, he cut your ass open, uh, and he would do it very well. And he is now in the era of the Restoration, trying to live a peaceful life. And it's always like, oh my god, is he going to crack? Is he going to kill somebody? Uh, spoiler, he never does. So what happened with the TV show was, as often happens with TV shows and manga, is they ran out of manga. And they had to give... Nowadays, what happens is the show will just stop. Right. In the case of, like, Attack on Titan, they wait, like, three years before they put another season out. Give the manga time to get ahead. Right. Producers of Veroni Kenshin were like, we're doing well, we're making money. Nobody's going to care. We'll just, like, make some shit. We'll do our own shit. And put out some of the worst shit that had ever been oh, God. done. It was something to do with, like... Catholics, I don't even remember. <laughs> but I don't even remember. I didn't watch them. Uh, but they got the show canceled. <laughs> nice. Before the manga could finish. Um, so there are huge swaths of the manga that were never animated, uh, including the flashback arc of Kenshin's life while he was the Batosai, and the story of his first wife, and the story of how he got the telltale cross-shaped scar on his cheek. So somebody decided, let's animate that. So they did. And this is what we're talking about today, which is the thing I gave Caitlin, which looks nothing like the TV show. It is much more, quote unquote, realistic, realistically depicted. It looks more like a Satoshi Kon movie, actually. Okay. It's far more violent. Oh, that's too bad. It's so violent, <laughs> comparatively. Um, I remember watching this the first time and being like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. And 
the first scene where everybody everybody dies in everybody like the dies. first like five minutes. Yeah. Um, that woman's trying to talk to him and then gets a sword stuck through her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she's like grabbing it in her throat. I'm like, this is unsettling. Um, yeah, none TV shows not like that at all. Uh, so what we have in this is the story of Kenshin's life beforehand. He was a he was a boy traded into slavery, I think, uh, named Shinta. He's what. Well, heading back to the slave house with slave traders they get attacked by bandits for reasons i don't even understand the bandits just yeah, let's murder everybody they just murder everyone. and steal all their shit because you know it was uh japan in the 1800s and that's how they got down um and as these like three women are like trying to protect him um they all get murdered in front of him and he's about to get murdered when uh i don't even remember his name but he's the master of hiten mitsurugi style he the man who would go on to be kenshin's master and teacher just happens upon it. Yep. It was like, man, fuck this shit. And turns everybody into mist. It's true. That <laughs> Basically. happens. And then looks at the kid and was like, hey, pal, try to live. And wanders off. And then I guess he kind of feels bad about it. And was like, I should go bury those people. And he's on his way back. Discovers that young Shinta has already buried all the bodies himself. Yeah. Including the villain. Including the bandits. Yeah. Just buried everybody. And as he's talking to the child, the child's like, I wish there was more I could do. This is all I can do for them. I don't even have flowers for their graves type of thing. He sees something in him and he takes him to train him in the ways of Hiten Mitsurugi style. And eh, whatever. Renames him Kenshin. Kenshin wants to use his sword to bring about peace. The world is changing. It's a time of upheaval. We shouldn't be up here on this mountainside. We should go be doing something. He's like, you think you can use a sword to bring peace? (laughs) (laughs) You stupid, petulant child. And then he goes off and does his thing and picks a clan to work with and kills a bunch of people. And so that's the first, that's the first setup we have to get to what we're dealing with, with the bulk of the story here is he's been just he's not a happy fellow. He's probably in his teens at this point. Yes. Teens, possibly early twenties. He's really only good at killing people. That's kind of the only thing he cares about. Yep. Just killing people. Not that he likes it per se, but he's just like, this is what I'm good at. And I'm convinced I'm serving a larger cause. Yeah. Um, one day he is out murdering somebody important, gets into it with a, bodyguard who while completely outclassed by kenshin manages to get one nick on his face yep which leaves the first half of the cross-shaped scar um because from that point on every time he's like doing a job assassinating somebody the wound opens yep and bleeds um and then he's wandering the streets there is word that the shogunate is moving in and things are not looking good they may have to bail i don't know the two clans fell out or something over something the the show is rooted in actual historical events but it's a bit of a deep dive at some points um so i don't understand i still don't understand really everything that was going on but uh where the hell are they even at are they at edo at that point or kyoto um i want to say edo i don't i actually don't know whatever city they're in no because they set fire to to something and fire to everything that's true Uh, the place becomes not safe. They have tried to keep Kenshin, like, hidden in a secret. Yeah. Um, but he gets attacked by an assassin. And as he cuts this dude in half, top to bottom, um, a drunk woman wanders out into the alley. It turns out the dr- drunk woman is the fiancé of the bodyguard he killed. Yeah. And for reasons, they kind of get paired up and sent off to pose as husband and wife in some region out in the countryside to hang out till the heat dies down type of thing. And it goes from there and it's melodramatically romantic and has some history and has some gore and has some violence. And I was like thinking about stuff I used to watch that I liked. And I was like, maybe Caleb McKinnon will be into this. Yeah. 
Kayla McKinnon, what'd you think of this? I, I thought there should be more gore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, if someone gets their you face can, sliced... Guys, it's so violent. <laughs> if somebody gets their face sliced open, I want to see some brain matter. I just... Blood is not enough. <laughs> I need some guts in there. The Geek Down Podcast. Blood is not, not enough. enough. At times, I wish there was... They, they were very, like... There were scenes that were very stoically Japanese where I have to kind of try to interpret what these characters are thinking because they neither of them talk very much. They just sit there and look at each other. Um, or they'll be like just like a reflection in a pool of water and then like a petal. Mm. And I'm like, what is going on? And I really wanted more history. Mm. I wanted to know more who these people were and what their ideologies were. Um, I thought the anime style was fine. Did they? Am I right in, set, in thinking that they cut in real footage at times? Uh, possibly. There's some like water and shit there's that I think they they used actual film. There's water in their fire at one point, probably. Um, yeah, and that was sort of a little bit strange. Um, the third episode. Sorry. Yeah, to- this ran in. This is totally. F- in total, four episodes. Yes. Um, I did watch all four. Each. Okay. Yeah. The third episode um, had some of the most beautiful shots. Just like really idyllic. This is when they're up in the countryside. They've been up in the countryside for months. And the yeah. other the other through line of the plot is kind of like the people who have been using him are starting to get concerned that they are totally like obliterating obliterating his soul. And yes. the the leader of the clan, basically. He's the only one. He's yeah. worried about, like, what has this cost? What have we taken from this person? And is there a way to salvage him? So yeah. he basically asks this woman who witnessed, you know, the hit job on Kenshin to, uh, he's like, I know I'm asking a lot, but can you can you be his sheath? Yeah. I think there's a metaphor they keep going back to. Um, you know, because he's got one and his other friend who's, like, dying of TB. <laughs> Yes. Like, was, runs runs the private army. He's got one. He's like, he just, he needs something to soften him. Can you be that for him type of thing? Yeah. So while they're off living in the, uh, in the idyllic countryside, planting crops just cause and, and posing as a druggist and his wife, a traveling druggist and his wife yeah. type of thing. Yeah. That's the, that's the third app. What I would, what I also wanted was more about how she got from point A to point B. Because he bas- she's basically drunk, and he's like he, he he she faints basically, and he brings her back to this inn where they're staying at, and then everyone's like, "Yes, the whore." I was like, "How did you jump from like she was her fiance died just a little while ago to like now she's a whore. just because you don't know where she's from doesn't automatically make her a whore." I just don't know how that jump happened. So I would have liked some more story about. How she got from her fiance dying, which is they show a tiny clip of that of right after, but how she went from that to like she basically just disappeared from her family and no one was concerned, and then her brother shows up and or so you think, yeah, and that was yeah, and I wanted a little bit more because there was there were there was some betrayal and some like counterintelligence and that kind of stuff. And I don't even think that was conveyed when I watched it the first time because I had a dub back mm-hmm. in the day. This was mine was dubbed. You were watching dubbed? Okay. Yeah. Um cuz the ver- the dub I was watching back in like, you know, the 90s was I don't think I ever really got a sense that she was in on it. She wasn't. Then the sub she's in on it. 
No, she's not. In the subs, she is. The, the sub I watched, she wasn't. In the subs, she was quickly went against it real quick, but like she was in on it. Oh, see the sub she was part of it. In the sub I watched. See, this is the one of the issues <laughs> with them. The fucking subs and fan subs and shit, y'all. Um, the sub I watched, she. So I could keep doing my Duolingo, so I know, so I know for a fact. For a fact, what was it? yeah. So she, her brother told her about it. Like she wasn't in on it from the beginning. Mm. She does all this stuff. She becomes a sheath. She falls. She, her brother tells her about it, and then Jesus Christ, child. <laughs> Um, her brother tells her about what's going on because her brother's now an assassin. Everyone's just an assassin, basically. Um, her brother's now an assassin and he tells her about it and tells her, like, this is the guy who murdered your fiancé, which she didn't know. Um, and then she realizes she loves him and tries to stop it. All that part, yes, but in the sub I was watching, it's like, all that scribbling she's been doing in the book yeah. is about like how much she hates him oh, and how she yeah. grows to love him oh. as they spend time together. Um, well, native Japanese speakers, if you've ever seen the Rurouni Kenshin OVAs, get at us. Yeah. <laughs> please let us know. Um, be that as it may, it doesn't totally matter. I don't think no, she no. does. The whole point is she does come around to, you know, loving him and people have found out, used her to find out where he is. Yeah. The, the shogunate. A group of shogunate assassins, um, helped and tipped off by her brother, who who hates Kenshin. And actually, there is a sequel to this OVA, which very quickly covers the last arc of the manga. Okay. And the last arc of the manga is about the brother coming back as a fucking Super Saiyan to try like the, the destroy Kenshin's life. The major point of this prequel, I suppose, or yes, pre th- this origin is that. She gets murdered and then makes the other half of the X. Yes. As, as Kenshin is now, he's been told by a guy who's playing both sides yeah. um, in his clan. The guy who's supposed to be checking in on him and throwing him some money, keeping tabs on him type of thing. Tomoe is her name. The, the woman he falls in love with, the, whose fiance was murdered. Um, he's basically like, oh yeah, Tomoe's been working with the Shogunate type of thing. And yeah, and it's like, you know, he says we found her journal, like, go, that's why we know she was in on it. Go oh, okay. check out her journal. Um, and she's gone off to try and stop them. But according to what Kenshin's been told, she's going to like commiserate with them to like plan your assassination type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, this is where she is. If you want to go like take her out, go find her. Um, he's just basically like walking in a stupor. He very sloppily defeats these assassins and as the like lead assassin this old dude who just just he's just a boxer and punchy punches he's a sh- punchy he guy punches the shit out of him um as he's about to as as killing blows one way or the other are about to come yeah. we don't know if it's you know kenshin's gonna take this guy out or if he's gonna get his head punched in tomoe jumps in between them kenshin ends up stabbing her yeah <laughs> through the heart does she stab he stabs the dude th- he's through, through her, her. yeah, yeah. Woo. <laughs> melodrama and then yes as she's dying and saying you know admitting that you know she loved him and blah 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 she takes her little dagger and leaves the other half of the scar on his cheek <sighs> so intense so intense <laughs> uh yeah this thing really blew me away when i watched it the first time way back when it's probably not without hoke 
It's got its it's got tokiness. I don't know. No, I, I thought it was. I thought the melodrama might have been a little too, no, little too much. For it you. was a crazy time period. <laughs> they 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 are allowed some melodrama. <laughs> All right. Um, I I did like it. I thought there could be more gore. Um, I always think there could be more lady characters. I would no, have yeah. liked to know. I would have liked. I guess I kind of wanted more of like a Game of Thrones, like who's doing what and why and where. Definitely, there's the groundwork is there for that. Yeah, yeah. Just they didn't didn't have or want to devote the time. Yeah. To that. Um. And yeah, I, I they I thought the main characters were a little quiet. You know, but that's very Japanese. It's like, how did they ever fall in love? They didn't say anything to no, any, they anyone said for, absolutely for six months. Nothing to each other. Just about some things about radishes <laughs> and and fish. Um, so, yeah. So, I think it, it's a seven. Hey, cool. I like the style. I enjoyed watching it. Um, we know how much I love gore. So, anything where... It's, uh, especially if you've, if you've only ever seen the TV show and you come to this... The TV show is on Netflix, I think. Okay. If, if anybody's curious, you can check. You can check out the like what most people think of when they think of Rurouni Kenshin. But yeah, it was just a totally and it's you don't see that often. You just go with like a completely different art style, a completely yeah. different tone, a completely different version of the thing compared to the thing the version of that most people know. It's just really bizarre. And yeah, I was really blown away with it. And I thought, hey, history. I totally forgot. I thought I was going to have to write this huge backgrounder for Kaylin. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, right. She's watched like all the Kurosawa. So yeah. She- and, and I also, I mean, Japanese history is fascinating. Um, there's so much of it. I got into this Wikipedia hole about, about um, their, their writing basically mm. and how many versions of the kanji. Oh, you, oh, you don't say the Japanese <laughs> have a lot of writing systems. <laughs> yeah. And how many, and then like the most ancient of them and how old it is and, how it must have actually come from an even more ancient system mm. that they don't have a record of. I was just like, okay, I got to stop. I just, I need to stop. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I like Japanese history. So that's, I think, probably why I would have liked a little bit more. But, yeah, all around, it was seven. And there are places to deep dive in there. Um, you don't need to have watched the show to watch this. Um, definitely things get um, filled in. If you've seen the show, like you see, you see the Shinsengumi a bunch of times. These are like the shogun it's police force type of thing hmm. you will hear mention of a guy named hajime saito who was a real person in japan he was a notable swordsman at the time um watsuki would take these characters and then you know basically take their names and right. and make characters out of them for the show um so you'll see these characters the, the kid isn't even in the show there's like a small he's like a preteen oh remember the preteen in the in the shinzengumi the young kid Oh yeah, yeah. He tries yeah, to yeah. fight Kenshin at the end, but he's like got TB and is about to like die at any minute. Yeah. Like you can't beat him like this. He's not in the show, but he's based on a real a real historical figure as well. Oh, cool. So those you know rabbit holes are there for you to go down if you if you so choose. I started going down them. Um, yeah. All right. Seven. Cool. Yeah. So now on to the thing I brought you. Can two things ever complement each other? So it's not a favorite thing of mine. <laughs> okay. Um, but I was thinking of anthologies, and this is one of the only anthologies <laughs> that I've, I mean, I've seen a couple, but a lot of them are foreign films, and you, I know you hate when I give you foreign films, so maybe one day I'll give you another foreign film anthology, but for now, I thought, you know what, 
you had mentioned that what you gave me was going to be weird and, well, specifically gory. Mm. And it kind of made me think of Tarantino. And then I was thinking about anthologies. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give you four rooms. Four rooms is a 1995 anthology comedy. I am doing bunny ears here <laughs> film. Um, it has four directors for each room. Um, the first one being Alison Anders, who's done a million things and you probably never heard of them. Um, Alexandra Rockwell, again, done a million things, probably never heard of them. Robert Rodriguez, who most people have heard of. And of course, Quentin Tarantino. It's the entirety of it is, is loosely based on the adult short fiction of Roald Dahl. Um, who, if you ever get a chance and if you like weird stories, Roald Dahl adult fiction is where you want to go. He has some real strange stuff out there. The Specifically, the, the last story is based on the man from uh, the South. So it's the basis for the last, basically, short, um, which is The Penthouse or The Man from Hollywood, which is directed by um, Tarantino. There is sort of um, all kinds of people in this film, but most importantly is Tim Roth as Ted the Bellhop, who... I love as a character, but I could find that Jordan's giving me a look and I pretty much was like, this is probably how he's going to feel about Ted the Bellhop, which is not great. I think he's a hilarious character. Or, or as I was calling him by the end of it, Ted the fucking Bellhop. <laughs> yes. So much weird swearing. in the- Yeah, very strange. It was a very, very strange film. It's based in this fictional fictional hotel called Monseigneur in Los Angeles. It's set on New Year's Eve. Um, Ted the Bellhop, this is basically his first night working. Yes. And um, it starts with the old Bellhop who is who's retiring that night, sort of giving him a rundown, giving him little bits of advice, one of them being keep it in your pants, which, of course, Ted does not do. And all of the rooms and the night is connected um, one of the rooms, it's sort of out of time, like it, it happens, they shoot it in one, but things happen in between that room. I think it's the third room. Um, and each one, though the look is similar, they all have a different feel. They're all super weird, but they all have a, have a different feel to them. And it's basically this, the misadventures and what weird stuff happens in this hotel on New Year's, New Year's Eve and poor Ted trying to navigate all this weird, crazy stuff. Um, the first room is a coven of witches trying to resurrect their their goddess. The second room is is the hostage situation. Is that the second one? Yes. The third one is um, Antonio Banderas is in that one, and basically Ted has to look after his kids. Yes. And, of course, all kinds of craziness happens there. And the third one is the this basically famous Hollywood director gets him involved in a bet where um, this guy with his lucky lighter is going to light it, I think it's, what, ten times? Ten times, consecutively. Uh, ten times in a row, and the guy will get his car. If not, Ted needs to chop his finger off. Pinky. His pinky off. And Ted doesn't want to get involved with this, but he's given lots of money, so of course he does. And I don't know what else to say about it. I kind of just find this film to be really interesting. I wish more anthologies were made. This one is particularly weird, but I really like weird stuff. And I kind of just was curious what Jordan would think about it. This is P. 
peak Miramax in the 90s, like, we have the conversation a lot about, like, one of the more fascinating things about doing the show with you is you, you give me things I did not see at the time. And yeah. just realizing that, like, this would never... Movies were just weird back then. <laughs> they were so weird. Like, movies look like TV back then, because movies yeah. were a lot smaller, smaller, and you didn't have to blow up a major metropolis every, every, every movie. No. So this is like peak Miramax 90s where it's just like they were just, you know, Harvey Weinstein was just doing shit. And it's like he had his little, you know, so I get like Chasing Amy and how you get all the movies of that time. This is also peak Tarantino. Oh, yeah. It's um, 1995. So. Yeah, so this is post. Uh, That's what I was checking here. This is post Pulp, Pulp Fiction had come out. This is, what I think, maybe the first thing he had his name attached to uh, post Pulp Fiction, post writing Natural Born Killers. I was thinking about it after I watched the movie. So, you know, when the Wu-Tang Clan blew up? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yes. And like how like they they blew up and then they wanted to like put all their homies on. So that's how you ended up with the RZA doing a bunch of beats for like, you know, somebody's cousin. Right. And like, how'd you get a Ghostface verse on <laughs> on this album? It's like, well, maybe somebody's cousin. And yeah. they got on, so they want to bring their homies up. Uh, this movie is like the kill a priest of of movies because i really feel this is post el mariachi this is post desperado this is post pulp fiction yeah rodriguez and tarantino were having a moment and they just wanted to do this thing so there's like hey you got you guys come too yeah we're gonna go do we're gonna give you give you a little spot to shine it's a weird killer priest albums are weird yeah and this movie <laughs> this movie's is real fucking weird too weird. what is tim roth doing I don't know. I love Tim Can you explain Roth. any choice he made in this movie? Um, I think they just told him to be as weird as possible, and he's he did constantly that. like jerking. <laughs> and I know. It's like he's is that thing. Is that thing again? <laughs> She's just laughing about shit that I'm baffled by. I think it's hilarious. It's like he's he's, he's coming down, walking from... like a seventies pimp. Yeah, he's like yeah. It's like he's coming down off a coke trip. Yes. Um, he's constantly he's smacking children. He's which I like. You know, I, I love that the children are punching each other at one point, which I greatly enjoyed as well. You were crying right now at the thought. You have tears in your eyes at the thought of Tim Roth doing at me doing my version of Tim Roth's bellhop walk. I just find it so weird and lovely. Uh, At first, I thought he wasn't going to talk through the whole movie because right. he barely does in like the first half. I'm Ted. I'm Ted. I'm the I had no idea what was going on in that second segment. In fact, I read the Wikipedia uh, beforehand, and that's the only reason I even understood that like this was a bit that uh, the husband and wife were doing. Oh, okay. Um, and why was she there in the fourth again? I don't know. Just hanging out. Yeah. How'd you get here? Where's your husband? What's going on? She I don't wandered know. away. Who cares? <laughs> the, the witch coven thing <laughs> at the beginning oh madonna got a razzie for her performance in this yeah and it totally i don't like, know if it was a razzie worthy i mean it ain't good madonna's never been anything good as an actress but they just like giving her razzies I'll tell you one thing yeah add rocks down with the ioni so is jordan ferguson okay okay ioni sky she's in that bit yeah yeah, yeah. wouldn't have to put wouldn't have to put a hex on me to get me to hop in that cauldron ioni uh ted hops in that ted, cauldron ted the bell hop it's got the same fight as dance he's just like always like herking and jerking all over the place um Uh. shouts to animated opening credits though haven't seen those in a long ass time yeah it well it was supposed to be based off of like pink panther s oh was it yeah well because that the pink panther always had an uh, animated opening credits and there was like a scat jazz something or other at the beginning (laughs) yes there was which was very 90s um also he's terrible at his job 
uh, Ted the Bellhop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrible. He's awful. Terrible. He didn't get very much training, though. True. (laughs) And then at one point, he tries to quit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That... (laughs) (laughs) Because that scene, he's just coming off the, like, the bit with the kids, who, like, basically Antonio Banderas and his wife decide that uh, New Year's will be lame unless we leave the children here. Yeah. So we'll leave the children here. And they say to Ted, 500 bucks, check in, check in on them, make sure they go to bed. Yeah. Type of thing. Uh, the daughter hears this and is like, well, you got to pay 500 bucks, so you got to do everything we, we say now, or you're not getting the money. And, like, the little brother is, like, a total pissant, and they're, like, finding needles in the drawers. They find a fucking corpse in the bed. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I'm saying these things, listeners, and you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. What? Um, so Ted's coming off of that whole experience. Um, you know, the, the room they're in like burns down basically. Um, he's got this syringe jabbed in his leg cause he, <laughs> this is why Ted, you're terrible at your job. So he calls the police in his Ted way, which is like, it's like, you send the police over right fucking now. He's, he's putting fucking in the middle of like every verb by like, yeah. the last half of the movie. He's like, I've got a dead fucking whore at the hotel. What's the name of the hotel? Um, it's, uh, Monsignor. At the Hotel Monsignor. And this, like, seven-year-old girl is like, don't call her that. And it's like, oh, that's what she is. Come get this dead fucking whore out of the... <laughs> it's like, maybe if a kid told me not to speak like that, I might go, oh, sorry, child. I'm under a little stress. I apologize. But Tim Roth... But Tim Roth is doing his terrible bellhop Tim Roth job. Um, so she, you know, stabs him with a syringe and he... <laughs> probably has AIDS now and dies and oh, that syringe was clean. Sad end. Sad end to Ted the Bellhop. Um, but he comes out of this and then is like, f- decides, fuck this, I'm out of here. Tries to call his boss who's Kathy Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> who is at a house party and this is where it's like everything in the hotel looks like the 1940s. Yeah. And then he calls his boss who is at like this lame Gen X like commune house with like marissa tomei i think jennifer jason lee was there um like he's he's in like the bellhop hat he's using the plug in the phone type of thing like switchboard weird movie (laughs) he's calling this house where they're like in flannels and like marissa tomei's got her hair in like you know riot girl pigtails and i'm like when is this happening (sighs) yeah it's just it's just weird so weird i'm supposed to i know i'm supposed to be the one who bring I, I think people think i'm the one who's supposed to bring in weird shit but sometimes you just come out of nowhere with and i knew this movie existed i feel like i saw the end of it before like right and this is clearly just tarantino on one like he's totally feeling himself he put himself in the last segment he gave himself the monologue yeah he threw some conspicuous n-words in there that didn't need to be in there a couple times you no, know the, the same, same shit that tarantino always does and yeah so the whole thing is like He's trying to, first Ted's like, I'm not chopping, I'm not chopping anybody's finger off. That's ridiculous type of thing. Uh, Tarantino basically bribes him by laying out a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, and I distinctly remember the last scene where the, go try, the guy tries to flick the lighter once. It doesn't light. And with like no hesitation, Ted chops his finger off, scoops up the money <laughs> and heads for the elevator. Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember that scene. And I'm sure at the time when I watched it, I was like, what the f- <laughs> fuck was this? Um uh... I I know all you people. Why are you people here doing this? Bruce Willis, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. 
<laughs> and again, that's totally like, I had a good time on Pulp Fiction. Yeah. What, you're doing this weird-ass movie for no reason because you want to put your give your weed carrier a shot at making a movie? Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah, if you like uh, third-tier Wu-Tang albums. Uh, yeah. Might be like... <laughs> third and a, and, and a bit here. and if you're and if you're a completist by all means um at the same time though yeah it's not like i despised watching it i was just baffled by it and bafflement can make for an engaging viewing experience it's true bafflement can either be like fuck this get it off my screen mm-hmm. or you can be like why is any of this happening oh do your tim roth again <laughs> So hard. Uh, why, why is Tim Roth just like he's like he's like walking like Huggy Bear like he's just like a fucking seventies pimp but he's like working as a English pull quotes uh, bellhop like yeah bafflement and confusion can still make for a compelling viewing experience and that was me during this whole thank god 90 minutes yeah yeah again very short <laughs> just watching this like i don't know why anything was happening but i'm curious enough to want to know what's what dumb thing's gonna happen next it's gonna <laughs> be ridiculous but i kind of want to be here when it happens so for that reason i don't know that's like a six okay okay i thought it might be like a, a four like i know I, 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 we know i don't give out like i never get perfect to anything but i'm always like reticent to fail anything i mean it's a movie yeah it is kind (laughs) of it had a plot it told stories it did the things that movies are supposed to do what i like about this is that all the different stories it tells and the different types of stories it tells in one big story um and i just wish there was more of that Maybe not as weird. We don't need any like coming coming off of it, Tim Roth. Maybe this is why you don't. (laughs) But somebody's like, I've got an idea for a movie. It's like four rooms, and they're like, "Cool, thanks for coming out." (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, I just I don't know. I just I like stories. I like weird stories. I like weird characters. I guess that's why I liked it. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you you. It was interesting for you at least. (laughs) It was interesting. Yes. I didn't like. I, I I have hated some things. We know this. But I didn't hate this. I was just totally stymied by it. I didn't know why anything was happening. This is clearly like it's a favor phone call movie. Like, yeah, you know, Antonio Banderas is in it for like fifteen minutes. Salma Hayek plays a half-naked lady dancing on a TV screen whose face you never see. I only noticed that in the credits. Oh, yeah. In the Rodriguez, I don't, know, I don't even know if I noticed it. In the Rodriguez credit, there's a whole bit where like the sun keeps. Putting like naked ladies on the TV, and the sisters like you can't. And the watch sisters that. like put cartoons back on, and they're like fighting over it. Um, when the credits were rolling, I was like, I was like, because um, I was curious who played the wife in that portion. So I paid closer attention to the credits, and it's like dancing lady Salma Hayek. I'm like, what? Oh man, y'all were totally banging back then. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact, but I'm, I'm certainly suspicious now. Possibly. Yeah, you know Bruce Willis is in it for like. 15 minutes like yeah. they're just these madonna's in it like this just, yeah just um, random people <laughs> it was clearly a thing where like madonna was like tarantino's hot i need to be involved with that and he was like cool i got this thing i'm doing you ain't gonna be in my part though you go and you're gonna go over there you go you be in the you be in the in the the witchy part you be in the capadonna segment of the yeah. of the movie you're not getting in the ghost face killer segment so yeah that's that's out there that's out there enjoyment. somewhere i just think the first time i watched weird. it I 
I was like, I rented it in by V like VHS uh-huh. rented it from <laughs> the, like the quarter store. Nice predates yeah. Redbox even back when like you know your mom and pop variety store head. Yeah, and this this is the perfect mom and pop variety store video rental section movie. Oh yeah, oh I yeah. I guarantee you, every copy of this movie came from a mom and pop variety store video Absolutely. rental section. Absolutely. My God, that's so dope. I like this movie more now. <laughs> Should have told you that at the beginning. It just puts me back in mindset of like, oh, kids, you don't even you don't even fucking remember. You go to get a freezy or or a, a drumstick from the local mom and pop, and they'd have yeah. this weird section of videos you could rent. And it's like, how are you doing this? I feel like you should have a license of some sort. <laughs> yeah, ours was just, it was a little further than the closest corner store, and it had this whole video <laughs> but section. But it was worth it, because they had the video section. Oh, man, I rented train spotting. Nice. But I was, like, real young to be watching train spotting. <laughs> and, yeah, everything, Interview with the Vampire, all of the 90s movies came from from that store my god amazing well maybe yeah. one of those will come up next week when we talk about our our canons yeah oh my god that's like a whole other show though i just about like v- variety variety store movies fines. you rented on v- variety yeah, fi- store fines vhs fines oh because yeah. kids if you didn't have one in your local quickie mart you were you've missed out you were missing out yeah it's just the weirdest selection of movies you weren't getting like a fucking like Star Wars prequel installment there. You were getting like fucking four rooms, and I'm, I'm amazed you found train spotting at one of these. To be honest, yeah. Anyway, God, good times. Good times. This show's good times. Yeah, but we can't give you too much good time. No, we gotta go. We gotta go. My throat's starting to hurt. Caitlin's sick. Her, she's coming down. I'm coming down off. She's, the get, high. she's getting all jerky like Tim Roth. I gotta find a GIF or something to put on Facebook so people know why you're laughing so hard. Just, at this. Oh, I love it so much. He's just shucking and jiving the whole time. Uh, I'm surprised he could so, just like get a key in anything. He can't get the phone jack into the switchboard. Like, like friends, find me a director's commentary of Four Rooms and if Tim Roth explains any of the decisions he made towards this character. Oh, jeez. Um, um, so yeah, thanks for hanging, y'all. Yeah, thank you. As we said at the top, you can get at us on Twitter at GeekDownPod, email us GeekDownPod at gmail.com, or on our Facebook group, which is at www.facebook.com forward slash GeekDownPod. Get at us there with comments, queries, praise, or criticisms, and thanks so much for hanging. Like we said, we'll be back for episode 75 next week. Yeah, special episode. With our with our cannons. We'll have to set some parameters before Caitlin gets out of here, but... That will drop for you next week. Thank you so much for hanging as you do every week, friends. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Kate McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and we will be back here next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. See you next week. Also, I like you. You're great. <laughs> God, you're just like a cat. You're just like a grumpy cat that's like, I just want food. Yeah. <laughs>